Imagine building an organization that provides not just for you and your family, but for the families of hundreds more. A brand recognized as a leader in your field. Why is it that some leaders are able to inspire a team and have a profound impact on our world, while others attempt to beat their teams into submission through micromanagement and managers who, regardless of title, are not leaders, costing their business to lose great talents and resources through attrition and toxic culture, ultimately running a great brand right into the ground? There is something else at play here, and we want to know why. It's your brand. Protect it. Protect it from both the outside and inside of your organization. Welcome to Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, alongside co-host David Morrow. We explore great leaders, great brands, and the reasons why they succeed. We also take a look at stories of toxic cultures and the fall of some iconic brands. We'll play brand trivia and interview some of the leading entrepreneurs in today's business world. Thanks for joining us today. Welcome to the episode, and please don't forget to subscribe and follow. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody, to the Brandology Podcast. I'm your host, David Morrow. In the studio today, we have special guest, Todd Morellen. Todd, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm glad you're here, too. We also have uh, my co-host, Mark Mosher. Mark, how are you today? Today, I'm doing very well. Are you? Are you doing yeah. today? Because I've been in... I think nine meetings with you today, and not one of them went the way we wanted them to go. So how in the world are you going to sit there and lie to our listeners? Not a good way to start the podcast. That goes to show you that happiness is a choice. Well, you are like the most positive guy, because I am not enjoying today whatsoever. If you haven't noticed, I have to say that over and over throughout the entire day, otherwise I don't believe it. Man, it's painful sometimes, but it's all good. So okay, good. Todd, welcome, man. I'm glad you. I'm glad you were able to make it. Todd, uh, you're the founder and the CEO of Damascus. So why don't we start from the top and tell us what Damascus is and what it is y'all do? Well, Damascus really originated out of a uh, you know really a mission that my wife had. She had been in prison ministry for about 15 years. Ah, and, interesting. Um, you know, we both have corporate background. She was the national director of sales training for the USA Today uh, for a number of years, really back when they were getting off the ground. You know, my corporate um, lineage is is for P&G and all kinds of different places. So, wow, really? P&G? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Like huge corporations. Brand brand Central, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, that's where Don was from, right, Mark? Yep. So we had had, uh, Don Dumoulin who managed some of like the crest lines and some of those oh, right yeah he was he was you know he's an older guy but he had uh, done a lot of the big brands for years and years throughout the 80s and 90s and stuff so yeah absolutely so yeah, big brand so stuff when she got out of out of corporate life um was just really drawn into prison ministry she's kind of always been a champion for the underdog and so just gotta a, love that every sports fan loves that as a result of our relationship, I wound up, you know, kind of volunteering here and there in the prison with her. And it, it's hard to get in there and not really um, kind of open up your heart to the men and women inside. You know, what you realize pretty quickly is that they're all generally pretty normal people. Yeah. They prefer not to be there. <laughs> they right. have different choices, but, you know, that's where they are. And so, um, so it really started kind of working on me as well, just thinking about, man, like, how is it? 
that A, there's so many people wind up here, and B, why did why do so many people wind up coming back? If yeah, they already know how terrible it is. So, right, you know, we, started, we started Damascus after a very long period of research, really examining reentry, you know, what was done well, what wasn't done well, and you know, in our our experience, what had to happen to really affect change on somebody so that they could really commit to turning their life around for the better. Um, and that's, you know, it's a very long-winded way of saying uh, we spent a whole lot of time trying to figure out that what it all boils down to is relationships. Um, you know, you have to be able, in the business that we're in, to start everything on the foundation of relationships. So they, you know, the people that we work with have to trust what we're doing. The companies we work with have to trust what we're doing. Our staff has to trust what we're doing. So it's really building a lot of relationship around the missionality of the organization. So, and, and you notice there's a lot of recidivism, right? Like the, the repeat offenses. And, yeah, absolutely. And, and after going through jail, you kind of, you would be curious why anybody would ever want to go back, right? Right. And, 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 yet, it, and yet it kind of happens quite a bit. Yeah, quite a bit. The, uh, you know, the reality is... You know, just it's almost a bad cycle, though, that they get in sometimes. Yeah, once yeah. you're, once you, once you have a conviction, it's harder to get employed. So you find, so you wind up doing things under the table to make a living to survive. You get pinched, and you go back in the system. Right. 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 You know, there, there's a complete lack of economic opportunity. Right. And it's not like you, you is, can't have yeah. a normal suburban life after you've yeah. been in. And so, yeah. how do you adjust? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. And so, you know, what we do is spend a lot of time with our curriculum on the inside, helping people understand, you know, all right, what was the environment I grew up in? How did lots of things that I had no control over impact my ability to make decisions and, and the reasons why I make decisions? How does trauma that I've experienced or seen impact my decision making? How does my own personal bias impact my decision making? Oh, that's How, good. Yeah. So it's all kinds of things. We, we, we refer to it as a jobs class. Uh -huh. uh, the reality is, it's it's almost um, it's almost like therapy because people have to be very reflective about why they're there and get really intentional about the kinds of choices they want to make down the road. Sure. I'm curious. So it sounds like your wife kind of got you in this direction as you were kind of a part of it and there with her and doing that. Um, what got her involved in prison ministry? I think for her, you know, when she was kind of done being on, you know, the corporate hamster wheel, yep. she was really looking for something where she could take her talents, which is all about, you know, curriculum development and creating training that's like super interesting and fun. Like, how does she take that skill set and do something really great with it for society? And I think when she wound up originally volunteering in the prison, what she realized is that, you know, lots of the, the classroom material is pretty boring. So nobody, <laughs> nobody really wants to sit through it. It's no different than, you know, your, your typical high school or grade school class. Like, who did you like? You like the teacher who made the subject really interesting. And yeah. She's great at making the subject really interesting. So our entire curriculum has like all kinds of just funny exercises. There's lots of group participation. But there's a lot of homework that really does force the men and women we work with to do a pretty deep dive into their past history and yeah. also a deep dive into where they actually want to be somewhere down the road. 
So this is almost as much a, and I'm trying to, to grasp this in theory, it's like a self-help, self-improvement, re-education. Would that be fair? Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily call it re-education as, as much as, you know, the reality is a lot of people who wind up in the prison system wind up there because they probably never got good guidance growing up. Right. So, like, I look at my own childhood. I know I come from a two-parent family. I did something stupid. My parents were there to tell me I did something stupid. Yeah. Um, but for a lot of people, if you don't have that growing up, you're not getting good advice. You know, maybe your entire childhood, all, all you've done is experience a lot of, um, like I said, just a lot of trauma, whether it's physical abuse, sexual abuse, all kinds of things that, you know, really are going to are gonna weigh you down as you try and move forward in Absolutely. life. Absolutely. It's hard to make good decisions. You don't learn it. So you have to relearn it at some point or you're not going to be successful. Yeah, I don't want to talk about my experiences. I mean, I can tell you that I did. I was a I was a trial attorney back years ago, like in the 90s. And mm -hmm. so part of that arc included a period where I did a tour as criminal defense. And then I was also a prosecutor. And I'll tell you that I've been in many jails as an attorney and I've sat there for hours and hours and hours, like seven hours at a time sometimes. And once you go there, you look at the world differently and you realize some of the guys that whether I was prosecuting them, whether they were witnesses I was interviewing, whether they were people that were accused of something that I was talking to, but for the grace of God, go I. Like I look at right. that and I'm like, dear Lord, I'm like, all you needed was somebody like my dad who would like turn over the corner of the newspaper and look at you when I mouthed off and I would like turn around and run. Like he instilled the fear of God in me and it kept me out of jail. Like it was those type of things. It's, it's, it's really um, that kind of parental guidance that I think you're tapping into. Yeah, absolutely. It's so, not just that, though. It's, it's a lot. It's a series there, of there's course. many nuances. It's not simple so like that. Right. I, I don't mean to trivialize it at all. I'm just, I was trying to be funny, but I'm like, it's mm -hmm. it's that I'm the product with all my faults and everything else. I'm the product of two parents staying together and, you know, smacking me around once in a while when right, I got off right. track, right? You know? Yeah. Hey, everyone. Mark and I are really excited about a special feature we have coming up about the rise and the challenges of this technology transportation company that has literally changed the world. It experienced explosive growth, but had constant controversy, making it one of the most fascinating companies to emerge over the past two decades. The firm, which was founded back in 2009, soon grew to become one of the highest-valued private startup companies in the world. And yet its leadership, culture, and business practices have all been called into question, and the brand itself has been under seemingly constant attack. Join us as we explore the rise, the challenges of this technology transportation company. We've all used it and the leaders who are now trying to save it today. Join us as we discuss the rise and fall of Uber Technologies. That you guys are doing obviously on a local level there in Ohio, but is this is it something you can take regionally or take on the road? How's that look? Yeah, great question. 
great, great question. So my, you know, my background, you know, corporate as well, but it's also really, um, you know, I spent a lot of time in the startup world and the venture capital world. Mm. So what I really enjoy is building something, scaling things, like trying to find like creative ways to bring technology into that's, the problem. Yeah, so. that's the hardest part, isn't it? Like, how do you scale something? Something works in Cincinnati. Like, how do we stamp this? across the US and then bring it international, right? Like, Absolutely. Isn't, that's, that's, the, that's the exciting part of startups. It's like you've got something that works. It's proven, it's profitable. How do we build this and replicate it in Des Moines, Iowa? Like how do we replicate this in Sacramento? Like how right. do we do that, right? Who's gonna do it? How, how, who, where, where, are the, where are they gonna do it from? How are we gonna do it? Like, and you start to break it down and it's a, it's fascinating. It's part of the thing why we love brands and we love companies because the best brands have been able to figure that out. Like they've, yeah. they've crossed the, uh, Jeremy Morse, I believe, is the guy who call, he calls it crossing the chasm, right? Yeah. When people break over a certain amount of market share to actually get general acceptance. Right, right. Um, you know, I like to say, David, that we are and I tell my staff this all the time. We are a, a high-tech startup disguised as a nonprofit. You that's know, great. Trying, trying to solve a social problem. So. That's right. No, that's pretty cool. That, that's what we do. It's And so we have to be very, you know, if you want to scale something up, you have to be very process-driven. You know, so there's only, there's only one Christine. So she can't teach, you know, 500 classes across the country. So we have right. to think about right. how we train. More Christine's. How do we get, you know, really solid client reps into positions with the companies that we work with on the staffing side, who understand our values, who understand, you know, what we need to be doing on a day-to-day -day basis to be How successful. How do you do? Do you leverage video? I mean, do you record them? No. And, like create almost like an online curriculum, like the school system. We systems? debated that. But like, how do you do that? Yeah, because it's like I say, everything we do is built on relationship, and it's yeah. you know hey, we're all we're all on Zoom now. But I hate Zoom. I, I would rather be in person. Absolutely. Every time I have a meeting, yeah. I, I can't stand doing video conferencing. Yeah. So except we wouldn't want to be where Mark is right now. Yeah, because he, he's he's down in he's down in Louisville, and there's a lot of civil unrest. I'm right, right. Minneapolis, where things are a little bit calmer. For right. Now, for now. Let yeah. me ask you, how is Speaking of that, that type of methodology, um, how has the pandemic changed what you guys do or has it changed what you do? Well, it has do do it? temporarily stopped all of our prison classes. So that's, 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 that's kind of right. what I was thinking, yeah. yeah. Um, which, you know, there was really no way, no way around that. The, right. On the staffing side, because on the outside we function just like a staffing agency for the men and women that we work with. Okay, yeah. That is... That has not only not gone away, we've got more openings to fill now than we've ever had. Wow. So it, yeah, it's been very interesting that as the economy has reopened back up, it's been very difficult for companies to replace all of the workers that they either lost or laid off. So we've had quite a few companies coming to us by referral when that, that never used to happen before. So That's we probably doubled in size in the last two months. Fantastic. And, let me um, let me switch gears a little bit if I can. Um, can you tell me a little bit about divine mining? Oh, divine mining! Well, you're going to go in a whole different direction here. That's what I said. I'm gonna, <laughs> I got to shift gears on you. He's my researcher. He's the one that <laughs> finds 
no, find because some of is, these. Uh, he, have, he goes to like the ninth page of Google. We've <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of. Uh, we've got he a does. lot of. He does. I am. Uh, you know, I am. I, I have to have multiple projects going on. I, I can't. You know, my attention span is about. You know that. that right. So I've got to have like four or five different things happening all at the same time. So I have always been a huge crypto fan. Um, you know, I, I, I'm a fervent believer that it's probably the future of how money will change hands. That's not to say that everything's going to go to Bitcoin or, or some other existing crypto. No, but it sure makes sense though, doesn't it? Like when you really think about it, it's like, it could really be, I mean, I, I kind of, I could see that happening too. And it could level a lot of things and it can also, if it's done right, it could almost eliminate a lot of poverty. If we do it wrong, oh, you, you, boy, you read my mind. Like I spent lots of time thinking about that because so much of yeah. the population we work with is unbanked. You know, there are there are yep. lots of applications there. You know, that I feel like crypto could really step in and play a pretty big role for people who struggle now with the existing banking system. Right. So um, yeah, so I, I I won't reveal too much other than to say yeah, I think a lot about how, right. <laughs> how we would use crypto to try and. Um, create opportunity for people who, who otherwise would never participate in the banking system. Yeah, yeah. I just got rid of my chain link about a month ago, doubled that, and always got a little Bitcoin just sitting in the side. Just, that's good. Yeah, just don't even pay attention to it. So that's great. So let me ask you this. What do you think, we always ask our guests, what do you think is there a person or an event that occurred in your life that may have triggered you to focus this way? Meaning why didn't you, like, why do you care so much about this issue? I mean, I understand it, but I have got my own reasons, right? Like what, what, what is it that, that is there an event or is there a person that inspired you or what is it? I think it's just a fundamental, I have a fundamental love of fairness and opportunity, um, which, you know, I just think the reality is most of these men and women, if they just knew what their potential was, would have way more success trying to live up to that potential. The problem is they've never been around anybody or any system that has fostered their own self-love. And, and yep. without that, without the self-confidence and self-esteem to take chances, to go out and, and try and push yourself forward and, and do great things, you wind up getting stuck in a place where you just always feel like there's no options. And so, you know, to try and be able to open doors to people like that, not just, you know, physically by giving them jobs, but attitudinally and helping them understand, look, you deserve to have joy just as much as the next person. I don't care what anybody told you when you were younger or a teenager, like you are as entitled to happiness as anybody else. Go find that. Let us help you find that. And, and once awesome. the that's leaving, really good. very powerful. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, that is, that is. Well, and, and let me ask you, do you find this, does that only occur in religious organizations? And I don't want this to be a religious conversation at all, but I'm just saying like, I found a lot of that has been through 12-step programs or religious organizations or community churches, but 
there's also that other side of that coin where there's a lot of judgment and there's a lot of, you know, well, we're not meeting like a lot of inmates or con ex cons that I've met have felt, well, I wouldn't be accepted there because they're so judgmental. Like, like, how do you address that? Like, uh, I think that's an awesome point, and it's a, a huge differentiating factor in how we operate. So we, you know, even though, you know, Christine and I have our religious beliefs, um, and we're both Catholic, we say, you know, we do what we do because we're Catholic, not to try and create more Catholics. Like, there's very little, right. very little religious um, content in any of our curriculum. So it, we really are completely non-judgmental. I, I think there's this um, kind of a, a huge awakening for me when I got into this work was realizing that there are there's more value systems out there than just mine. Right. So you know there's and they're generally based on you know kind of your economic positioning. So if you are a wealthy person, you know, what you probably value most is time. If you are living in poverty, time is the last thing you are worried about. Yeah, that's a great point. <laughs> and so that's why, you know, people generally are not on time if they're living in poverty because yeah. it's just not something they value. So there's a whole different value system there that enables them to survive in a very communal fashion. And you can't just walk in and tell them that they're wrong for living that way. Like it's got right. them well, that is to survive so far. So I didn't even careful. think about that. Yeah. yeah. That's um, so true. That's yeah. so true. So, you know, we let people pick their lives. That's a big statement um, that we use all the time in our classes. You get to pick your life. We're going we're gonna to help you figure out how to get there. That's all we do. We're not, we're not going to work harder than you are to get you there. So, you know, what you want is to grow up on the same street that you were born on and die there. Great. We'll help you figure that out. If you think you want a house in the suburbs, great. We'll try to help you figure that out. You want to you know, move to, I don't know, Bolivia and go live there. Great. We'll have to figure right. that out too, like that. Right. Yeah. Whatever it is, let's just figure out how to put a, an action plan in place so that you can get there. Like Let me ask you this. Do you have a view before we switch over? Cause it's almost time for a little brand culture trivia. But All right. Let me ask you this. What's your view of generally the education system? Like, is it the education system that's failing some of these people? I mean, shouldn't, shouldn't, shouldn't some of these things in an ideal world maybe be done then? You in, know what in I mean? In an ideal world, <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's... I don't, I don't think the education... It's like tomorrow. It's the perfect place that everything gets done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it would be very difficult, I think, to try and create, you know, within the public education system, you yeah. know, some methodology where you're replacing a lack of two-parent households. It's, it's probably sure. not going to happen so it's not that's probably an unreasonable it's not going to happen in the private school system because generally if that's tuition based then right. the, this issue isn't what we're discussing anyway right, right. because they don't right. have they're not coming from a place where they have the money to go off to boarding school or private private yeah. school etc so okay but to me it's primarily an economic economic problem with many you know there's not just one root cause to, to, to the problem i mean there we could talk all day about you know, sure. Lack of, lack of affordable transportation keeps people from jobs. That's why we created our own transportation company as mm -hmm. part of it. Because it's very yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, let's lighten things up and change to a little brand culture trivia. 
I'm going to play the intro right now, and then I'm going to come back, and we are going to start with question one. All right, sounds great. Ladies and gentlemen. Welcome, everyone, to Brand Culture Trivia, where the points don't matter, but the brand does. In this segment, we play a trivia game against our guest. I'm your host, Mark Mosier, along with my co-host, David Morrow. David, tell us about the rules and the awesome prizes. Absolutely. The rules are as follows. You get to guess as fast as you can. You get as many answers as you want, and the first one to give the right answer wins a point. The first contestant to three points wins the game. What do you get if you win? Glad you asked. You get 14,684 Brandology bucks. What is is that worth? Those are absolutely worthless, but we might send you a sticker for playing. So let's get started with brand culture trivia. David, why don't you spin the wheel of trivia and see what our first question is? All right, here I go. It is a heavy, heavy wheel. And that is why grown men should not have a podcast. So um, we're going to, so the rules are as follows. As we explained, you can, we want you to guess as many answers as you can, as fast as you can. The first one to guess the right answer, I will announce it. You're playing against Mark. And um, first one to do that wins the point. First one to three points wins the game. So I'm going to, any questions about that? No, no. This feels like intense pressure. Oh, yeah. This is big, big time. Let's let's remember, Todd, there's a lot on the line. Absolutely. 16,864 Brandology bucks. We have an e-commerce site that is temporarily down, but it's got Rolls-Royce, Convertible Jaguar, some Rolexes on there. All those Brandology bucks will be wire transferred to an offshore account. And the equivalent of all that, but it's down right now. But someday it'll be up, and all that all that can uh, be exchanged. I'm sure. So, for example, company slogan: "Just do it." The brand or product name: Nike. Right? Got milk? Right? Dairy Association. That's what we're looking for. Okay. All right. Okay. Question one: The best a man can get. Marlboro. Gillette. Gillette, we have a winner of one point. Your answer, Mark, was Marlboro. The best a man can get is Marlboro. Marlboro's thinking of the cowboy hat. Yeah, I mean, there's a man involved in the marketing. There was a man involved, but okay. All right. Wow. It's that, and he got that really fast, Mark. Yeah, it was. Fast. I think I'm going to have to. I'm thinking I'm going to have to step it up a little. Let's see if he can get this one. Shave time, shave money. Gillette. No, Gillette was the answer to the last one. Is there updated slogan? <laughs> <laughs> shave time, shave money. Sounds like you're saying shave. Shave, shave as in shave. razor. Shave time, shave money. Oh, it's like an aftershave. Aqua Velva. No. English leather. No. What brands do you use? I don't want to. I haven't visited your your, 
your house, but I don't want to see your. Uh, I don't want to go in your medicine cabinet. Stop see at what, the dollar store. <laughs> what did you say, Todd? The Norelco. No, no, that's close though. Man, now we're stumped. All right, it's okay. I'm gonna hold that one. We're gonna we're gonna pause that one. Uh, the answer to that is Dollar Shave Club. It's got a oh, great, great, great ad uh, marketing campaign. It's on YouTube. If anybody has not seen that ad, please go watch it because the CEO and the founder is just hilarious on there. It's absolutely great. Okay, let's keep going. This is a this is this is a this is a good one. Live in your world, play in ours. Live in your world, play in ours. Be like uh, an amusement park. I don't know. Mastercard. Six Flags. No. Keep going. Discover. Keep going. It's not a credit card. Diners Club. Live in your world, dear God. Diners Club. Were you Diners Club and Aqua Valva? Are you like 140 years old? <laughs> like, yeah. like seriously, dude. Tell I spent a lot of time growing up with my grandfather. <laughs> I was gonna say, spent a lot of time fishing at the creek with your grandpa. Ooh, Carnival Carnival Cruise. Ooh, that's a good guess. No, yeah, no. it's not. It's live in your live in your world, play in ours. Hilton. Think of how kids. Las Vegas. Ooh, no, that's a good oh, guess. That would be a good slogan for Las Vegas. All right, I'll hold that one. The answer to that one was PlayStation. Yeah, mm. yeah. Ah, I like that. Okay, Virtual here. World. Okay. Yeah, that's a good that's one, Six too. Six Flags was good. All right, here's another one. What's in your wallet? About $3. And that's something. not, uh, is that Capital One? Yes, Capital One. Oh, is it really? Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Two to nothing. So this is the part of the se segment where I remind Mark of easy, easy, easy math. And that is, if you had 100,000 times as many points as you have now, Todd would still be winning. Because 100,000 <laughs> times zero is still zero. And Todd has two points. So, okay. Let's go on. I'm going to make this one hard, too. So I like stumping our guests. Nobody has gotten this one yet. All for freedom, freedom for all. Freedom. Freedom for all. Oh, I know this All one. for freedom, freedom for all. Southwest yeah. Airlines. No, good guess, though. It's better than Aqua Velva. <laughs> Is it Adidas? No, good guess. Good guess. Delta. Keep going. Delta. No, it's a mode of transportation. It's a brand that is involved in transportation. Emirates Airlines. It's not Emirates. an airlines. I'll give Emirates. you that. Airlines. Not an airlines. Hmm. Mode of transportation. Chevy. Nope. All Ooh. for freedom, freedom for all. It's transportation. Not Uber, is it? What'd you say? I said Uber. Okay, good guess, but no. Nope. Mark, what'd you say? Bugatti. Bugatti? Yeah. Yeah, because that's in every man's car. That's in every day like, person's like, car. It's just like saying a verb. Yeah, can like you believe when, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's a verb. That's right. common common discussion at the coffee house is, yeah, right. how's your Bugatti doing, right? It's like, we're all complaining. I want to hang out of that. <laughs> all of our $300,000 cars that up are, are breaking down on us. 
No, Mark, that's not all for freedom. Freedom for all. Not everybody has got a Bugatti. Mode of transportation. In fact, if you know anybody, can you please introduce me? <laughs> all for freedom. Ooh, Bell for helicopters. Ooh, good guess. No. All right, I'm going to pull this one. And when I, when I tell you this, it's such a common brand. In fact, it's such a great brand that people get the brand tattooed on their body. Oh, now I'm, I remember it now. Wow. You already <laughs> pulled it back. Go ahead. Harley Davidson. Yeah. Uh, okay. Now, see, here's my question for the marketing department there. They've obviously done a phenomenal job of building a great brand because people get their brand logo tattooed on their body, and yet we all don't know that their <laughs> company slogan right. is all for freedom, freedom for all. Right? Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Let's see what I could do. Uh, it's two to it's two to nothing. See if maybe Mark can get a point. We'll see. I don't know. <laughs> Taste the rainbow. Skittles. Yes, we have a winner. This game is over. It's a knockout punch. Not even one point from Mr. Mosher. Todd, thank you for quick playing him. That was quick. Yeah, well, what were you going to guess? Taste the rainbow. Marlboro. Marlboro? <laughs> I bet you were. <laughs> I'm pretty sure there's a Marlboro in there that says something about Taste the Rainbow. That's hilarious. Sure. Well done. Okay, let's get back to the interview. You guys have obviously a very good cause, very good mission behind your organization. Um, you guys approach, I say you guys, I'm talking about Damascus. Damascus approaches employers, correct? Correct. And you say... Let us help you find people that have been incarcerated that will work out with your company. Correct? Right. right. Okay. Do you, I mean, normally companies have background checks for their employees. Absolutely. So obviously, Johnny's not going to pass the background check. Right. So how do you get them employed there? Like, how does it work? Do you Let's mind? Say, uh... You know, it's a, it can be a lengthy sales cycle sometimes. So sure. the reality is, you know, if you're selling a product that's a candy bar, you know, right. everybody likes candy bars in general. So, right. you know, if you don't, if you say, would you like a candy bar? Everybody's answer is like, yeah, what kind? Tell me what it is. Right. If you're selling poison ivy, people would be like, why would I want that? I don't care if Ryan Reynolds is selling poison right. ivy. Right, exactly. Poison I don't know. I may buy it then. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's a little bit what our challenge is like here. Right. No, no, no CEO rolls out of bed and says to himself, you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to hire a bunch of ex-cons. That feels like a great right. big move. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a good career move, right? <laughs> yeah. um, hey, everyone. Mark and I are really excited about an upcoming episode you will not want to miss. The legendary leaders of the Wrigley Media Group. Yep, those Wrigleys. David Bertram and David Cottiam join us in a discussion of their legendary Wrigley brand, which dates back to the 1800s. They are truly a poster child for the longevity of a strong and powerful positive brand. They explain how the leadership team of Wrigley Media Group now includes an Emmy Award winning producer, an Emmy nominated writer, 
a former film animator with credits like Spider-Man 3 and the Lord of the Rings trilogy, a producer who's worked with DreamWorks, Walt Disney Pictures, and HGTV's Fixer Upper. Their group has set its vision on growth and bringing Hollywood to the Midwest, namely Lexington, Kentucky. They are surely soon to be a challenger against big names like Turner Broadcasting and Warner Brothers. David and David explain the group is in its 20th year overall, and at its helm is Miss D. Wrigley Miller. She's the granddaughter of Philip Wrigley, the longtime owner of the Chicago Cubs and the former CEO of the Wrigley Corporation, owner of Wrigley Field and Wrigley Gum. Come listen, and they are so engaging. The credits that this group has include hit primetime productions on Travel Channel, DIY Network, HGTV, and Food Network. Their team has worked on hit shows including Man Vs. Food, Anthony Bourdain's No Reservations, Expedition Unknown, and more when we evaluate the epic brand Wrigley Media Group. So generally, but what companies do have issues with is filling spots. And so... They do. And the right, finding the right person on with the seat on the bus, right? Yeah. And sometimes that has... And so correct me if I'm wrong. I think I'm understanding. Like... To me, whether somebody is the right seat on the bus, one of the last things I care about is their education. I, right. I, I don't care where they went to school or what their GPA was. Like, uh, who cares? Are they in the right seat on the bus? Do they believe in the mission? Are they helping? Are they selfless? Are they a team player? Do they fit in with the culture? Are they moving the needle forward? That, that's correct. I, you know, when we start out with a company, one of our kind of, you know, internal slogans is we do what we say we're going to do. Right. So we say right. We'll bring you good people. We're going to bring you good people. Yeah. And you just need to agree that whatever happened in the past, if, if we, if Damascus, who are the experts in this, if we tell you they've left that behind, you know, there's a trust factor there. That's why relationship is so important. Right. They have to believe that we are bringing them somebody who has legitimately left the past behind. And that's that's kind of why it works. Once once they get a feel for who we're bringing in and they see the results that we deliver, um, it usually does not take long before we start outperforming other staffing agencies. That's that awesome. I love hearing that. Yeah, it's a total cool. under it's a Pretty cool. total Cinderella story. Like it's the yeah. underdog story. I love it. Yeah. So wow. That's fantastic. With what you've done, and now that you've really got this, it sounds like you've got it honed in, obviously, at the rate that you're growing. What's what's the future looks like? What does that look like? Where do you go next? Ah, uh, boy, everywhere. I mean, we are, you know, we're based in Cincinnati now. I, I told Christine when we started this that, you know, I'm not, I'm a scalability, scalability guy. So, you know, if we're gonna do this, we have to do it in a way that we can help, you know, 100,000 people, not, 10 people. So, yeah. you know, we're in Cincinnati now, we're in Columbus now, we're in Northern Kentucky now. Like everything at the moment is like, let's make sure process is in place so that as we expand, everybody gets a product that they can rely on, which is, you know, what that means is every everybody on the backside is doing their job to bring successful people into the job. So when we think about you know, there's the old adage in, in, you know, branding that you're not selling somebody a product, you're selling them a better version of themselves, right? So our, our workers who work for us, that legitimately is what we're selling them is yeah. a version of themselves. 
uh, what we're selling a company is the best version of this person that we're bringing them. So, you know, Can I ask you this? Is it fair to say, would you agree that not all, not all convictions are, are alike? Like, like not all crimes are alike. For example, if they're selling, like if they're selling, like, I, I don't know what their job would be, right? But if I'm, if someone's going to be in charge in some process of the cycle, handling a bunch of money, and the person is convicted for embezzling money or theft, probably not the right one for that role. But if it's some heat of the moment crime of passion thing involving an ex, or it's a or it's a um, uh, a drug-related charge, right? Or something, I, I don't know what it could be, but something right. totally unrelated to that process. Then as an employer, I'd probably be like, well, yeah, because even if, even if they did slip up, it's gonna be after hours and not related to my business anyway. That type right. of thing. Right. Is that yeah, what you're seeing? Are you, it, you know, there isn't I'm a just curious lot. about that. You know, most of the positions that we're trying to fill are generally going to be like manufacturing type mm -hmm. um, line positions. So, you know, skilled labor, but it's not, you know, we're not putting people into an accounting office. That's, that's not right. going to happen. Right. So, but what we are doing is putting people in, you know, 15, 16, $17 an hour jobs. That's great. They can legitimately, you know, lead a life and raise a family on that kind of money. So you can't, yeah. you know, you know, we're not trying to put people in the minimum wage work. They're, they're never going to pick that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. They, they'll go back to the selling and trafficking work before they. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, so you, know, you have to give them an economic opportunity that they feel like, yeah, this is this definitely worth it. A livable wage. Work. A yeah. livable wage. Right. Yeah, give absolutely. them the chance, especially if they've got skills. Right. Like they yeah. like. Dealing cocaine and being a phenomenal like carpenter, right? They, the person could still be a phenomenal carpenter. Like give them the chance, right? Absolutely. right? Yeah. They have the skills. They could do things Lord knows Mark can't do. Yeah. So why not let them do it? I let this guy. Yeah, like, right. Why not let them do it? <laughs> yeah, the uh, you know the skill level of the jobs. I believe you're much more talented that, than yeah, me. Yeah, they can definitely get in there and, and be successful. So that's yeah. Good. That's well, as we great. wind this down, I've got a, I've got a couple really serious, deep questions I wanted to ask you as we kind of wrap things up. And thanks for sharing this with us. This is really good stuff. I'm gonna have to go back and listen. You had some really good, uh, some really good words of wisdom in there, and I know the, the listeners have found a lot of value. But as we get serious right here at the end, I've got to ask you: being in Cincinnati, is it Skyline or Five Star for you? Dear God. That skyline is, I can't go a week without eating skyline. Yes. Like that, that, what is it about you guys? Really? Absolutely. Something, he, everybody from Cincinnati, he asked that question. Hey, it's a legitimate and, question if you're from, if you're, if you're in the, the mid Ohio Valley. I area. lived in Ohio for like five years, uh, seven years actually. I lived in central Ohio for about four and I don't know. I this never is, really paid like, attention. Did I like totally miss something? This is like I the age old really missed the boat, didn't I? I, I just oh, told Christine last night because you know we were we were talking about man, it would be nice. Maybe we could, you know, at some point, you know, buy a buy a vacation house or something in Florida. I said if we do that, if there is no skyline <laughs> near the great. house, we're opening a franchise. That's <laughs> Can you so believe good. that? Yeah, like, yeah, absolutely. I thought that was a really silly question that Mark asked somebody else. 
from yeah, Cincinnati. And here you're like, hey, I don't mind like getting a vacation house, but there better be sky and chili by <laughs> there. Yeah. That's like me and Portillo's. Yeah. That's like yeah, me and like, true. I will not like reside in a state more than an hour and a half from a Portillo's from Chicago. <laughs> so that's great. Yeah. And then, and then the other question, and I always like to, to ask this because the listeners like the, uh, like the differing responses that we always get, but it's when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Well, I grew up in the area, the era of the big red machine, so I wanted to be a baseball player. Oh, right. Yep. I, yep. I had to throw a rubber ball against a brick wall for hours in my back. Oh, yeah. Cool. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. But That's not great. Pan out. <laughs> but yeah, not now. <laughs> That's fantastic. Hey, Todd, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Yeah. I mean, thank this you has very been much. really, really enlightening for us. And I, and, I, and I know that our listeners will get a lot out of this too. So we really appreciate it. We wish you guys all the best. I'm sure that this will not be the last conversation we have. We're going to create some series, some summits, where we have different people from different industries. And several people that have been on the show have been in the staffing industry. So when we do that series, I definitely want you and maybe you and, oh, your, yeah. wife, maybe yeah. you and your wife both come back. Yeah, I think that would be fantastic. That would be fantastic because you guys have such a unique approach to it that I think people will will want to hear that in the summit. So we'll definitely be in touch again. And uh, thank you so much. We appreciate it. Yeah. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks, guys. Have a great right. day. Take care, bud. Bye-bye. Thanks. Mark and I want to take a moment and thank everyone that listens and subscribes to our podcast it means a lot we're truly trying to make this one that we ourselves would find interesting and find entertaining Um, if you have any questions comments concerns or ideas for subjects great brands that have risen and fallen great case studies or fantastic guests that you'd like to see please reach out to us brandology podcast staff at gmail.com. That's Brandology Podcast Staff at gmail.com. Hey, David, that was another great episode. We tend to post one or two a week. Uh, unfortunately, don't really have a way of wrapping this up. No, uh, no, we really don't have anything formal or fancy or technological. Um, thank you for listening. Please follow and subscribe. Turn notifications on so that when we post the next episode, you will be notified of the new content. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We really appreciate it. Everyone, thanks for listening.